coaches. Before we get into the episode today, I had to jump in here and tell you about this amazing event that is coming up that is right up your alley, especially if you're listening in to these first three episodes of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, you're concerned about your own self-care and your mental health and, and you deserve this sense of renewal and, and feeling good about the work that you're doing and loving the life that you're living right now. And we're probably not all feeling that way. This has been a really hard year. Uh, harder than most. (laughs) And so I think it is good to think about taking some time for yourself. And that's why I want to share this amazing event with you that's coming up this March. This is March 19th through the 21st, 2021. It's the first ever three-day live virtual retreat for instructional coaches. The Simply Coaching Retreat is helping you renew, refresh, and revive your life, yourself, your approach to your work and everything. It's this three-day wellness retreat. And I am super excited about it. And I am not a wellness retreat person, okay? (laughs) But I just looked at the lineup and I just think this is gonna be amazing. On Friday evening, there's a PJs and painting virtual party just to relax and have fun and do something creative and crafty at home. On Saturday, oh yeah, it's all virtual guys, so you don't have to go anywhere. PJs, you can do PJs all three days if you want. On Saturday, we're going to focus on refreshing you you and, and your outlook on your work, but we're not gonna get into a lot of work on Saturday because it's all about your mindset. So we're gonna talk about your mindset and coaching work. There's a keynote by Kim Strobel, the happiness coach, and I've just started listening into her podcast and it's really informative and helpful and thinking about how we want to approach our lives. There is a session about mindset and coaching, mental health and coaching, mindfulness and coaching. There's a keynote by Amber Harper, the burned in teacher and a closeout by Nicole. There's also, there are going to be these simply coached communities. They're going to be basically like a round table event where I am leading a session and other coaches are also leading sessions where you can break out into groups that match the work that you do and just talk and and share and think and reflect with each other. So I'm really excited about that part of the day. On Sunday, it's all about reviving your coaching approach, okay? So there are four different sessions on Sunday. It's a half, it's like a, it's like a 10.30 to three day. It's not like a really stressful day. You don't have to get up early even. <laughs> and those sessions are gonna be about different things, about relationships and about figuring out what you're gonna do for the rest of the year. But by Sunday, you'll have this refreshed approach to the work that you're doing. So I want you to check out the Simply Coaching Retreat. It's the first of its kind, and I hope it's not the last because it's going to be amazing. You can grab your spot by clicking the link in the show notes where it says Simply Coaching Retreat. Um, I'm putting that in the show notes on whatever media player you're using, whatever podcast player, and I'm also putting it in the show notes on the blog. So you go to the link for this, this episode and you can get the link to join the Simply Coaching Retreat that's happening again, March 19th through 21st. If you register in February, you get an early bird rate, but please, even if you're hearing this in March, don't miss out because I think it's going to change your coaching work for the rest of, maybe not even just the rest of this year, maybe the rest of your coaching life. So join us and hope to see you there. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast, and I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence.
coaches, and welcome to episode 46. This is going to be such a big episode for so many of us, and I am including myself in this category because this is going to be the episode that gets into this idea that I have really struggled with my whole entire teaching career, and that is self-care. We are talking today to Sarah Forst, who literally wrote the book on the Teacher's Guide to Self-Care, and uh, she's going to share some of her thinking around this topic with us, some of the things that we can do, how we can can approach our work and our home um, and ourselves in a way that is healthy and balanced as well as that can be. And I'm really excited to get into this conversation with her. If you are anything like me, self-care is not even on your radar. (laughs) That's not something I'm good at. And it was a really big problem for me whenever I was a teacher and an instructional coach because it seems like somebody always wants a piece of you. And you feel like in order to do a good job, you have to be there to give that little piece. And all day long, you're just giving out pieces and giving out pieces and giving out pieces. And then you have no time left to do anything for yourself. And also you've given away everything and it's exhausting. So today, Sarah Force is going to talk to us about about what we can do differently and how we can look at things differently and reframe the work that we do so that we can create a more sustainable way of life for ourselves as instructional coaches and as people, because as shocking as it may seem, we are people who need things that normal people need. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to uh, share Sarah Forst with you today. So let's welcome to the podcast, Sarah Forst, the author of The Teacher's Guide to Self-Care. Thank you so much for being here today, Sarah. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So can you introduce yourself to our listeners, maybe a little bit about who you are and how you ended up here and what kinds of work you focus on now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like you said, my name is Sarah Forst. Uh, I go by the designer teacher online. Um, I'm a foremost, former special education teacher, and now I run my Teachers Pay Teachers store, the designer teacher full-time, um, as well as running a self-care subscription box for teachers, Teacher Care Crate. Um, like you said, I wrote a book earlier this year, The Teacher's Guide to Self-Care. Um, I'd say what all my work kind of has in common is basically just helping teachers to be happier and more successful, whether that's by promoting self-care or by creating resources that'll make their job easier. That is such important work because, especially right now, I think that's a real challenge for a lot of teachers, but I think it is a constant challenge. I mean, just being in a global pandemic is um, one more thing and it's a whole you know shift, but it's a constant challenge for teachers to work against this culture that, that we have um, in education, but I think just across, certainly in our country and probably other countries have issues with this as well, uh, the culture of work and putting yourself last and things like that. So why do you think that self-care, especially in education, has become this really hot topic lately? Um, It's an interesting question because like when I think back to when I first started getting interested in self-care, it was because I myself was like having a mental breakdown as a teacher. And when I, I, that's like, I um, started going to therapy because of that. And I remember at my first session, my therapist asked, well, what are you doing for self-care? And I can't remember if I'd ever even heard the term, uh, but it was not something I did not have a list ready. I was like, well, I sleep and <laughs> right. I go for a run sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, so it definitely wasn't like a thing the way it is now. Yeah. Uh, So I think the increased focus uh, on self-care probably has to do with like an increased focus on mental health as a whole um, in our culture and just the fact that like the demand on teachers has gotten greater and greater. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a 
relatively young teacher. So I don't think I ever, um, I guess, trying to think the right way to put it. I sometimes hear from older teachers that the demands were not quite as great. Mm -hmm. Not that it was ever an easy job, um, but for example, teachers used to be provided with textbooks or curriculum. And at the schools I worked at, we were expected to plan everything from scratch Mm -hmm. um, according to the Common Core. And of course, with standardized testing. So I think the focus on self-care probably comes from we have an increased interest in mental health as a society, which is great, but also there's increased demands on teachers. So together, <laughs> that's created, I think, people realizing that there really needs to be more of focus on self-care for teachers. Yeah, I love that. And that, that's, it is a really timely um, topic because I think there is an increased focus on that with mental health in general. And it is, like you said, not, it was not part of my vocabulary before maybe like three years ago. Um, and maybe I was late to the party. That's possible. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, self-care was not something that I was really aware of at all being a thing. And like you said, if someone asks me even now what I do for self-care, I would struggle. I mean, there are some things that I do, but for the most part, I'm sometimes I'm like, does that count? Is that self? Is that what that yeah. is? You know? <laughs> um, I feel I like it, but I don't know if it's a thing. So, <laughs> so and as an instructional coach, I did not focus on self-care at all. And as a teacher, I did not either. And really the only thing that I did at that time was I would meal prep on the weekends because I have a hormonal issue. So I I find it best if I don't have meals ready, I'm going to eat whatever I'm going to eat. And that is not going to work out for anyone. (laughs) So I meal prepped on the weekends and that, you know, at least, at least I had food that was edible, Um, but I didn't get haircuts and I didn't go to the doctor and I would never like leave early or even what was considered on time. Like if I left on time, what was written on my contract, I would literally call my principal and say, I'm just letting you know, I'm leaving at this time today. Because they always expected me to be available after hours. So I know I struggled with that. And I'm sure that's super common. So what are some of the reasons that teachers especially struggle with, with this idea? And why, why is it that we have to be taught how to take care of ourselves as human beings? Well, I think you're right that teachers do really struggle and kind of those things that you just shared, I think that's super common. Um, there's a quote I like that kind of explains that it's the best thing about being a teacher is that it matters. The hardest thing about being a teacher is that it matters every day. So yeah. both for teachers and instructional coaches, the job is so important. Um, so we focus so much on the job that it's at the expense of our well-being. Mm-hmm. Um You know, I think if you work at an office where there's like a little bit more of a distance between you and the work, it would be easier to maybe leave that, you know, leave work at work. Mm -hmm. Um, But as teachers, you really see the impact of your work every day, which is awesome and so rewarding, but it also makes it a lot harder to just stop. Mm -hmm. We care about the students or the teachers and we want what's best for them. And I do also thinking that I I do think teaching draws a lot of sort of type A perfectionists. Um, Mm -hmm. So we sort of never want to stop working. We always want it to be just right. And it's never going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's a very um, subjective (laughs) field. And so it can never be. There's no point when you're done. There's no point when the kids are there. They're where they need to be. So I guess we're done today. No, it never looks like that. Um, Always something more you need to do. And that was something I really struggled with. And a lot of teachers did as well. I mean, even if you're in the most well-resourced school, you have Mm -hmm. the best students, the best parents, you're always going to be thinking, well, I could add this enrichment. I could add this decoration. And that's in the best case scenario. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, it is, it is true that I think because I, I always looked at it as like morality, like it was like a moral issue to do my job well, because kids deserved a high quality education. And so I think that I struggled to balance that with being a person. (laughs) No, I totally identify with that. Like seeing it as like a moral imperative. Mm -hmm. It's not just, it's not just for me. It's not just getting paid. It is, oh, the thing that I'm going to do or not do is going to make a real difference in kids' lives, Mm -hmm. which is true. But I think also we can sometimes take, take on this kind of martyr or savior complex when we put too much responsibility on ourselves. Right. Yes, that's absolutely true. So in your book, you talk about how to assess your current self-care status, right? You have Mm -hmm. a section about that. What does that assessment process look like? So it's, it's a quiz that's basically a rating scale. Um, so, you know, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but, you know, having been a teacher myself and having talked to a lot of teachers, I kind of identified some things that you might be doing if you are taking good care of yourself. And then I, then you give yourself a rating for whether you're doing that, um, uh, often, sometimes, or rarely, and then things that you might be doing are ways that you might be feeling that would indicate you're not taking good care of yourself and then kind of an opposite number scale for that and adding it together um, to see where you are kind of on, on, on the self-care, uh, self-care scale, taking care of yourself. Um, like a, a, a couple of things I have on that are like, uh, how often are you doing things like staying home from work when you're sick, which is like a pretty basic thing, but something I found a lot of teachers don't do that they just go to work when they're sick. Yes. Um, or how often are you working every day of the week, including Saturday and Sunday, um, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are really good questions. And I can think of times whenever, I mean, plenty of times I went to work whenever I wasn't feeling well, um, not whenever I had anything contagious enough for anybody else to <laughs> worry about. Well, that's different now, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different now, but, but, um, but yeah, in the past, I mean, just your know, allergies, just really terrible sinus infections and things like that, that you're miserable and you're dragging yourself through the day. And yet there you are um, because you just cannot see. And also it's almost more, it's so much work to be out it is so much work for teachers not to go to work. And so it's not, it's not fair, you know, how much work you have to do to prepare not to be there. That's something I talk about in my book is trying to prepare ahead of time for those days out um, and doing that as much as possible so that when you do need to take the day, you can take it relatively easily. I know it's still not easy, but um, going to work sick is really, you know, uh, the, the path to burnout, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're totally right. Um, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think that's a really good point. We, there are some systems we could create in advance that could make things like that more manageable. Maybe not easy, but manageable. Right. So having something ready to go or a system ready to go for when you're out. I, I remember my principal used to require us to have a substitute folder. Mm-hmm. And certain elements had to be in there just already done. And then, I mean, obviously I still had to add lesson plans, but, <laughs> but the, you know, certain like how to take attendance, all those kinds of things were already in there so that I could just leave that for the sub. And that yeah. did help um, having that in place. So you also talk in your book about creating a self-care plan and so many self-care approaches that I've seen don't really reflect what teacher life looks like or what instructional coach look, life looks like. Like, like, we'll take a walk at lunch. What? in what, my 20 minutes that I'm going to shove it in my face and stand in front of the microwave wishing it would move faster. So it's not realistic for teachers. Um, so what could a self-care plan look like for teachers? 
Um, well, I totally agree with you that it needs to be specific for teachers or pe for people working in a school. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to be realistic about the fact that most teachers are going to be doing some work outside of contracted hours. Right. You shouldn't have to. And if you found a way not to do that, I think that's amazing. Um, but I've never worked in a school where that was possible. Um, so like having a self-care plan, it doesn't, you know, necessarily mean you're going to be living this like blissful zen out <laughs> existence uh, or that, you know, the stresses of your job aren't going to affect you. Um, but like you mentioned before, it's about making it manageable um, mm -hmm. so that when you do have those stretches that you can manage it, that you can become more resilient and be able to handle it. Um, so I'd say setting firm boundaries is really important. Um, and then having a few forms of self-care built into your schedule. So probably won't be going for a walk at lunch. Right. Um, but for example, in terms of boundaries, committing to always stopping work at a certain time um, or not keeping your school email on your phone. Um, one thing I did while I was teaching was I committed to a yoga class once a week. Um, now it's over Zoom. <laughs> but, um, and I think having a set time is a great way to make sure you actually do the thing. I also, I had a problem with like staying up late on Sundays. I know a lot of teachers get those Sunday scaries. So I tried to implement saying, I'm going to stop work at 8.30. And I knew that. So it was sort of, I, I got done what was essential. And if the other stuff wasn't done, fine. At 8.30, I'm going to take a bath and I'm done for the night so I can start the week fresh. Mm -hmm. So I think just having those, that, those firm things built into a schedule, especially again for these kind of type A teachers is going to be really helpful instead of just, oh, I want to take better care of myself. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. I've, I've been reading um, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, and she talks about how we use perfectionism as a way to keep us from, well, I mean, it's a way that we control everything that we can possibly control in our lives, and we can avoid failure because that is what makes us feel vulnerable. Mm. And so this perfectionism becomes like a, like a, an addiction almost that we're con we're like, everything has to be just right. And if it's not totally ready, then I am not good at this job or I am not doing what I need to do by kids. And that's just not real and it's not healthy. Um, so, you know, they have that, that saying of you can't pour from an empty cup. Yep. And, and I've mentioned before that I'm like not a huge fan of like corny things, but that <laughs> would, it's true. It is true that you can't, I mean, you, we, we give, give, give all the time and we're putting everything out in the world. And then after a while, I used to find myself getting irritable and frustrated and really short fused. That's the way that I would respond. Just super short fuse um, that everything would just send me from, you know, zero to a hundred. And I was just annoyed immediately. <laughs> and, um, and that's because I did not have any kind of self-care plan and I did not have good boundaries either. Um, so you mentioned a few of the boundaries mm -hmm. that you can set, um, whether, and so what are, uh, what are some other ones? You mentioned not having email on your phone, which I agree with. I remember whenever email was added to my phone, I was like, why this is following me around now. If I have a parent who's angry at me, I don't want to know at, on Saturday afternoon, I'll wait till Monday to be, you know, upset about that. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's so easy just to like, Oh, let me just check all my social media and all my email, like one more time before I go to sleep. But it's like, oh, yes it's too late to deal with it at that point. All it's going to do is make it difficult for you to sleep and getting anxious beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, so again, I think it's not necessarily about, oh, I'm not doing any work outside of school, but mm -hmm. 
you can realize that you might have to do some work outside of school, but separating it. So it's like when I'm checking my school email, it's because I'm actually decided to check my school email and I have the time to respond to it. I'm not just going to be checking it randomly um, mm. throughout the day or weekend. Um, I think I mentioned, but like stopping work at a specific time. So again, if, if you do need to stay after school for a bit, that's fine. But saying, okay, if my school day ends at three, then I'm going to, I'm going to leave by four period, or maybe, you know, two days a week, I'm actually going to leave right at three o'clock. Um, setting a time limit on the amount of work outside of school hours. So again, if you do need to spend that time on the weekend, I'm not going to let it fill up all day Sunday, but instead mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, well, in the old days, I would say go to a coffee shop, but right. <laughs> that's not going to happen now. But, right. you know, I'm going to take from two to five um, and then that's it. Um, and I, uh, another boundary I'd say is like saying no to additional responsibilities, which probably depends on your position. But I know as a special education teacher, I'd often get asked to take on additional IEPs that like weren't students of mine. Um, so I know we all want to help out, but just having that boundary ahead of time, like I'm only going to be taking on three extra IEPs this year that aren't students on my caseload, or I'm only going to be on one committee. And then when you have that boundary already set, it's easier to say no. You know, if your principal says, well, I think you'd really be great on this one say, oh, actually this year, um, I decided I'm just going to be on one committee so I can really focus on that. And I'm already on one. So mm -hmm. maybe next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Having, I, I like that idea of having the boundary set in your mind because we do, we want to be supportive of kids and the school. And, you know, as instructional coaches, you get put on a lot of stuff because you don't have a classroom. So mm -hmm. people feel like, oh, well, your time is discretionary, which a lot of it is, not all of it, but you have, there are certain things you have to do with that time still. <laughs> when you do them might be discretionary, but what you do often is, is not completely mm -hmm. discretionary. So that is a real issue too, is that you get put onto, into lots of teams and lots of committees and lots of support systems. And then your whole day could be filled up doing that. And then you don't actually have any time to do the actual work you're there to do, mm -hmm. which can only be done when teachers and kids are at school. Gotcha. So yeah, you can't be in classroom supporting teacher teachers if 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 you're in meetings all day. And so it's yeah. it can be really easy to fall into that trap um whenever you are not a classroom teacher. Yeah, so I think for whatever reason, just setting that ahead of time makes it easier to say no to those things. And I think it also makes it easier for the person who's asking you to accept. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. We should be able to trust when someone just says no. Right. But if they if they kind of give you the reason or give uh, the other person, the boundary that they've set out, it's a little easier to expect or yeah. to accept. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's almost like it's a directive from somebody else. Yes. <laughs> and it's from you for yourself, but, <laughs> but it's like, okay, no, what, this has already come down the pike for me. So, I mean, I gotta go with this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so what are some of the most effective self-care strategies that we could implement right away? And I mean, I'm sure that some take more time and some take less time, you know, to prepare, to plan or to start. But I mean, you mentioned uh, a, yo a weekly yoga class, which mm -hmm. is something you could jump on. It takes an hour a week, you know, um, but uh, what are some other things that we could integrate quickly? Yeah, well, I mean, self-care is going to look differently for different teachers and there's sort of a lot of different categories. So it's, there's a, there's a wide range of activities that would fit under sort of the self-care umbrella. But I'd say in terms of what you can implement right now, I'd really think about like, what is it that you enjoy and what makes you happy, especially this year, like 2020 has been such a drain on teachers. I've never heard from so many miserable teachers. I mean, right. it's really heartbreaking. Um, 
and they don't deserve that. So I think it's like, think about what makes you happy and then schedule in time to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether that's reading a book, doing a puzzle, watching a show with your partner, going for a run. That doesn't make me happy, but you know. (laughs) 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 Even if it's just a half an hour, Mm-hmm. It makes a difference. And I think because there is so much stress on teachers, they might be doing even fewer of those things than usual when in fact they should be doing more. That's true. Yeah, it's, you know, my mom used to always teach us was when it came to savings, she said, you pay yourself first. You pay mm-hmm. your savings first and then you pay for everything else. Because if you don't do that first, that's putting your, your future first. If you don't do that first, then you're not going to do it. You're just going to wait and see what's left over and put that in the savings, which I still often do, but (laughs) you know, it was a good lesson. (laughs) And I feel like it's the same thing. Maybe looking at your calendar and scheduling yourself in as something important is, is an important way to get started. Yeah. I think you're exactly right with that. I don't know if it's a metaphor, but that would be that there's definitely a parallel there in which you think, okay, well I'll get everything done that I quote unquote need to get done first, whether it's, you know, lesson plans or laundry or whatever. And then the time left over, I'll do something right. that I, you're never going to have that time left right. over. Maybe no, no such thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And even then, if you've got family and you, you know, you're on millions of, you know, curriculum writing committees and things like that, then your time just disappears. Um, and that's the time usually that I used to use to get haircuts and go to the doctor. So <laughs> 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 the dentist and all those things. Um, so yeah, I think that that we do sometimes think I'll do that when I have time. And then we don't realistically, I have a friend who, who said that she would find herself staying up so late because she has little kids and she was working full time and she'd stay up so late. Cause she felt like I just, I haven't even just had a minute to myself all day. Mm-hmm. And then she'd wake up in the morning and she was super tired. She had to get ready and go to work and take care of the kids first and just exhausting. And it was because she needed to schedule that time and during the day which is not always possible to do every day. Um, But if we don't try to do it, it never will happen. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned a little bit about how to interact with administrators whenever they're like asking for more and more and more. How else, what else can we do to manage the expectations of of the job and our, our administrators while we're trying to treat ourselves as people and kind of balancing that out? Yeah. Um, I recommend being as honest and upfront as you can. Um, I, when I told my principal that I wasn't coming back the following year, mm-hmm. uh, he was really shocked, like supposedly, and we had a good relationship, but supposedly he had no idea that I was struggling, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, administrators have a hard job and sadly teacher well-being isn't always the thing that they're thinking about. They should be, but uh, you know, that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say when you say no to something, like we talked about, you're setting that boundary, try to explain why. Um, like, for example, I've decided to only be on one committee this year so I don't get burnt out or I'm not going to be checking my email past 7 p.m. So I have time to focus on my family, kind of just setting that up ahead of time. Um, and it can be really hard to say those things. Um, you know, for a lot of us, we are people pleasers. Um but it's important to keep in mind you're going to be able to better serve your students if you're able to take care of yourself. And also, really, it's better for your administrators and for your school long term if you're not burnt out or you're going to end up leaving, as was the case for me. I'm sure right. they would have preferred had I done a little less and then stayed. Yeah. Um, so it's really to everyone's benefit to encourage teachers taking care of themselves. 
That's true because <laughs> speaking from experience, onboarding a new teacher to fill that position because the previous teacher has had to leave for whatever reasons is a lot of work mm-hmm. and it's a lot of investment. It's even a financial investment. And okay. so constantly replacing people because the, the workload is just unreasonable, it, it just makes the workload harder on everybody else. And so instead of you know making things better by holding on to people and training them really well and people can continue to do their jobs really well, um, we're always starting over. Yeah, and I'm sure you've heard this statistic, but it's like almost half of new teachers leave teaching within the first five years. Yeah, yeah, you know, Same. and not again. I did like I don't blame people, mm-hmm. um, but you know, they get in, they're giving two hundred percent, and they burn out, and they're like, I can't do this for the rest of my life, and they leave. Mm-hmm. So that's part of my mission is to try to help teachers avoid that, um, and hopefully be able to have a, a longer, more sustainable career in teaching mm-hmm. if that's what they want. Yeah, that's great. I, I just thought of another question um, just now. <laughs> it's I'm wondering what can instructional coaches do to support teachers in this area? Because coaches are kind of in the middle and, you know, they they get, I mean, things come down from administrators sometimes that they have to then serve up to teachers in the most appetizing way possible, um, <laughs> even if it's not that exciting. And um And then they also hear from teachers about the struggles, the the real honest struggles that teachers are going through to try to balance all of these expectations. So do you have any thoughts on how an instructional coach can support teachers in this process? Yeah, so that's actually, um, it wasn't specifically about instructional coaches, but something I asked on um, to my Instagram followers a while ago was like, how can administrators best support you during this time? Mm -hmm. Um, And I got a lot of different answers I'm not super familiar with the role of instructional coaches, so I don't know how much all of these will um, play Mm -hmm. in. But one thing was just words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just like kids need praise and encouragement, so do teachers. Um, And it's not enough to just be getting that. um, But sometimes it really goes a long way just to hear someone saying, you know, you're doing a good job. I really appreciate the effort you're putting in. Another thing that I heard from teachers is having administrators sort of take their side when it comes to dealing with parents. Again, I don't know how much that's something um, that that happens for instructional coaches, but just to, uh, I, I mean, of course, you know, the teacher may not always be right, but trying to support them and understand where they're coming from mm-hmm. um, and I hear you when you say instructional coaches are busy and, you know, your time gets eaten up. Um, But, you know, if it's covering a class, if they need to, if that's something that you're able to do, I know that was something I heard from teachers. They they really appreciate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think those are really good things that that, um, the coaches can do. Certainly the words of affirmation. And and sometimes you do, you just need to pop in and say, how's it going? What's going on? I know that this is tough, you know, so how are you feeling? And yeah, another thing they said was, was asking what we need and really listening, you know, so sometimes it's just a matter of what can I do to help you? What can I do to support you? And then, yeah. actually, you know, really listening and trying to, to do what you can based on that answer. Yes, I am a huge proponent because coaches are in the middle and they're supposed to be instructional support for teachers. Um, that role looks different everywhere, completely different in some places. But um, basically, they are not administrative. They are not evaluative. They okay. are a support system. and so. 
it really actually coaches can serve as kind of this liaison between teachers and administration sometimes by saying, tell me what you need. And I can take this back and say, you know what is going to really support our teachers right now is this. Mm. And if they get honesty from their teachers, then they could take that back and frame it in the most appealing way to their administrators. So they hopefully get buy-in from their administrators because, you know, sometimes administration speak is a different language (laughs) than than teacher speak. (laughs) So afraid to say those things directly to the administrators. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very much so. And sometimes they're afraid and you're like, what is it that, what is it that is making you afraid right now? This principal is not the scary person you think they are, but it's just the nature of bureaucracy, I think, sometimes. So, um, so yeah, taking things back and saying, you know what they really need? They need something that is ready to go every day for um, a, a spiral review, or they need materials because they don't have access to this, this, and this, so they're paying for it out of their own pockets. Or they need, you know, um, we need to rethink our minutes because whenever you add up the amount of minutes that people are spending on different subjects, they add up to more than one day. So can we be realistic about this, you know? And you can frame that in a, a way that the administrator will hopefully hear and respond to. Um, and it might sound more like, you can make it sound more collaborative and constructive than if a teacher comes and just says, I'm having all these problems. And sometimes they, they're they so overwhelmed, the complaints get dumped on the desk of the administration. And I get it. And the administration goes, I, and what would you like me to do about any of this? You know, so then you're at odds. So that's one way that coaches can support teachers is, like you said, ask how things are going, really listen, and then serve as a liaison if you can, um, without obviously saying, oh, well, Miss So-and-so says she's having these problems. I mean, that's not the point. The point is to say, this is what we can do to support our teachers who are going through a really tough time right now, and be realistic about that. So, okay, this was a big, big topic, I think, um, that coaches are trying to figure out, and teachers are trying to figure out, and schools are hopefully going to try to figure out, but I feel like that's the last <laughs> the last piece of the puzzle because our educational system is really what has created a lot of these, um, these issues. But if coaches only walk away with one idea from this episode, what would you think it should be? Um, this, I say this over and over again, but self-care isn't selfish. Um, that's sort of the, the main idea. Uh, taking care of yourself is what's going to allow you to have a more sustainable career and better help students and teachers. Mm-hmm. So even though you yourself deserve to be happy and deserve to take care of yourself, sometimes it's hard to use that as a motivation. So mm-hmm. if you need to use the motivation, well, by taking care of myself, I'm actually taking care of students and teachers and it's allowing me to do a better job. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I read something recently about do something today that your future self will be glad that you did. Mm-hmm. And it's not always about getting things done. It's about doing something for yourself today that your future self will feel better because you did that thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the sustainability of a career I think is huge um, because I think people are leaving the profession a lot earlier than they used to. They're getting fried early. And, um, and yeah, if we can keep people in the profession who are good at their jobs, why wouldn't we want to do that? <laughs> so how can people find you online to learn more about this and where can they find your book? Um, so you can find me at The Designer Teacher on Instagram and Facebook. And um, my website is thedesignerteacher.com. Um, and then I mentioned I have a self-care subscription box for teachers. That's called Teacher Care Crate. So it's Teacher Care Crate on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and then you can check out the crates at teachercarecrate.com. Um, and then my book is currently available as a paperback and an ebook on Amazon. So you can just search for The Teacher's Guide to Self-Care. 
Okay, cool. And that's where I saw it on Amazon. Um, so real quickly, can you tell me about the teacher care crate? Because I just think crates are fascinating. <laughs> I want to know about it. I can't believe it. It's coming up on three years now. Oh, wow. um, I've been doing it and it is a monthly subscription box. And so each month has a theme and it's just different items to help teachers better practice self-care. Since this is something I was already passionate about and having kind of experienced that burnout myself. Um, and I also just love design. And so I have fun each month kind of coming up with a curated collection of things for teachers. So there's normally some bath and body products. There's an inspirational art print. Um, there's normally something you can wear like a cute headband or a keychain or a tote bag. Um, and I just like to bring a little joy to teachers' lives. And it's something um, teachers can sort of do just for them. And that's what I hear a lot is like, well, I do stuff for my kids and I don't and I do stuff for my students, but I, I don't have anything that's just for me. So this is just like a little present I get myself every month and it comes and it's a surprise and it reminds me to practice self-care. That's really cute. That would make a really cute gift for a teacher that you know. And it would also be nice like if you are in, in a leadership position, you could order the book, The Teacher's Guide to Self-Care for Your Faculty. And that would be a nice little um, nod, at least to the fact that they should be doing that. <laughs> I have, I've actually had a couple of schools um, buy the books in bulk for their whole staff. And I'm yeah. just super impressed by that. Like that was not my experience in a school that it is, would do that. So I just thought that was awesome. And, and actually the same with Teacher Care Crate that I've had a few schools like for Teacher Appreciation Week. Oh, neat staff or like they'll buy a year-long subscription and each month they do a raffle and give it to a different teacher. Um, so it is really neat to see schools and administrators doing stuff like that. Yeah, those are really cute ideas. I like that raffle idea too, or mm -hmm. teacher appreciation. That's really neat. Um, yeah, when it, I, I recently, <laughs> this is kind of in the same vein, but um, I read something back with, during teacher appreciation week where if it's something like if your profession has to have an appreciation week, you're probably not getting paid enough. <laughs> That is certainly true. No, and, and I talk about this throughout the book and I try to be pretty vocal about it on social media too, mm -hmm. that like teacher self-care, being appreciated, like that it's not the answer to the structural problems in the education system. And I'm never going to say that like, oh, taking a bubble bath is suddenly <laughs> going to make teaching like a, a sustainable career. But I do want to help teachers on an individual level do what they mm -hmm. can do to have a sustainable and successful career. And we still need to advocate for those structural changes as well. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. Belong to your union if it's a yes. good one. You know, do the kinds of things, you know, give your response, give your feedback when you can, be vocal, and also try to take care of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> we can do both. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This was really fun. And I'm, I'm sure people walked away with a couple things to think about. Um, maybe people even added self-care to their vocabularies because, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a new thing to think about now. So, so I appreciate that you, you talked to us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks. And uh, coaches, next week, we're going to be talking with my friend Celeste Nevarez about mindfulness because we are focusing on some mental um, health and some issues that we see frequently in education this, uh, these last few episodes. So my friend Celeste is a um, therapist and she is going to share some thoughts with us about mindfulness and what we can do to be as healthy as we can be. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. 
It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.